Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Hi, you're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. My name is John Siegley. Today, I'm talking with Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson, trying to get their thoughts on the team and the performance so far this season. EJ, wanted to start off with you, man. I know that you former defensive lineman for Carolina, and the defense this year, to be fair, not really having the best of season so far. To get mm-hmm. us kicked off here, what are your general thoughts and observations from what you've seen? I, I honestly, I think that we just need to get tougher up front. Um, looking at the Russian stats, um, giving up 300 yards, albeit to a good Louisville team and to a, a Heisman Trophy winner, to give up 300 yards to them and then turn around the next week and say that we improved because we gave up 102 yards to ODU. It's kind of, yeah, in the grand scheme, in, in the eye of the beholder, yeah, they did improve. But at the end of the day, I think that we need to do a better job up front because we're not seeing not seeing an impact pass rushing-wise. I mean, yeah, we're getting a lot of quarterback hits, a lot of uh, sack by committee, but there's nobody, no one person is really standing out being the leader and leading the charge pass rushing. So I'm not seeing the sacks. I'm not seeing the pass rush. I'm not seeing that the run being stopped. So I, I have to say that it starts up front. I mean, Three games is a small a small sample pool to really get it from, but that's really my analysis just from the first three games that I think that we need to, to be more disciplined, more tougher, and just play better up front in general. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely noticed that as well, especially with the defensive line. It doesn't seem as if we're, we're blitzing a whole lot either. I think, you know, blitz against ODU a little bit more, but... It looks like Carolina's trying to get pressure with, with the front four, and you guys are better at seeing plays and being able to diagnose them than I am. Just whoever wants to jump well, in on this one, what do you well, guys there, there's, there's a there, There's an obvious reason for that, and it's because they don't have any coverage on the back end. And mm-hmm. they, can't, they can't go sending guys from, from the second or third level on, in, in any type of blitz package and give up that body on the back end for coverage just for the sake of getting quarterback pressure. So – you know, I, there's always two ways of looking at a four-man rush. It's, one, I think my defensive line can whip your offensive line, and that's what good teams do. That's what we were able to do when EJ was here playing, when I was here playing. We were able to get pressure with four guys. We didn't have to blitz a ton, which obviously helped the coverage on the back end because you had more bodies. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is like what I just said. They can't sacrifice body presence on the back end and coverage for the sake of trying to get a little bit of pressure because, if you get a guy like, Mar- like Lamar Jackson or any other type of mobile quarterback or somebody with pocket presence that knows how to get up and, and evade that rush, right, all they're going to do is they're going to step up around the blitz and they're just going to they're, they're throw the ball directly to wherever the blitzer just came. And good offensive coordinators know how to do that. That's a basic staple of all, of all route trees and, and all pass concepts is if you see a blitz, throw it to where the guy just blitzed from because that receiver is going to be open. And we don't have anybody right now at least, I mean, I'm not saying we don't have the ability. I'm just saying we haven't shown the ability to be able to make up for 
a lost body who comes in on a blitz and pick up his coverage responsibility from the person behind him. So right now I think they're just trying to keep seven back there just for the sake of eating up space and hopefully we can get some pass breakups. They don't want to risk losing that body presence on the back end and coverage. Is that what you're seeing as well, EJ? I mean, personally, that's what I've kind of been thinking this season as well. From your perspective, what have you been seeing on on that one as far as the secondary and basically just not being able to really keep contain? I I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I I don't think that we can't afford to really send a whole lot of people. We need as much help and coverage as as we can get right now. And honestly, and, and that, that really just makes me focus more on the defensive line. If you know that maybe you got some younger guys back there, you got the simply guys really just not getting it done, you got to, I mean, you got to take that upon yourself. I think that they're really going to have to sit in the film room and look at where they lack on, on defense and really be honest with themselves and, and see that, yeah, they lack in the secondary, they're not getting the pressure on the quarterback. And, and just think of some, some schemes where they can get pressure and they won't have to sacrifice as many bodies. I don't know how they're going to do it, uh, but. I do. I definitely do agree with that. With that opinion, I think Mike they made a very valid point that we just can't we can't afford to blitz, and we're not getting any help. They're not getting any help because they're not getting any pressure. So it's just it's just really causing this spiral that I hope uh, they get fixed before it gets worse. Sorry, John. Can I go and ask him a question? Oh yeah, definitely, man. Go ahead. EJ, as a as a as a Division One lineman, man, you played. So the fans understand it. Listen, EJ has played every single position on the field. I mean, in high school, he was a he was an all state quarterback. Okay, he came in, he's, he's played quarterback, safety, defensive line, tight end. I mean, he's played everywhere on the defensive side of the ball. EJ comes from a place in Allison, and he's, play, and he's played on offense. You know, EJ, as a Division One defensive lineman and as an NFL defensive lineman, what have these guys got to do to solidify that pass rush? Is it a recruiting discrepancy? Is it a coaching issue? Are you seeing lags in technique? Is it motor? I mean, what is it from your perspective that's really causing the decline or I guess the non-existence of our pass rush? Well, I think I think it's a little bit of everything, and I'll touch on each one of those points. And I'll start off at, at recruiting. I, I can't really blame it too much on recruiting because you see with us, with my defensive line I played on, there weren't a bunch of stud recruits. We had two stud recruits on that line, Robert, well, three stud recruits, Robert Quinn, Marvin Austin, Quentin Copeland. I was a two-star recruit. I was drafted. I had a very successful college career. Cam Thomas, two-star recruit, very good career. Holly Taylor, Kentuan Bomber, those guys are two- and three-star recruits and all had great careers. So I don't think it's a recruiting. The coaching, I I definitely see some technique flaws. I see some simple technique flaws because just like I was mentioning with the guys that that we really weren't hyped up recruits, we had great coaching, whether it be uh, Kenny Browning when we first started uh, while Coach Bundy was there, or when uh, Coach Blake got there and really taught us technique that really changed all of our careers. And I think coaching also brings the attitude. And I, I just think the motor also, that that's what really, really bothers me because at the end of the day, you can get two or three junk stacks just off chasing the quarterback and uh, being persistent and being relentless in your pass rush. So I definitely think that they're, they're lacking all three of them. And at the end of the day, pass rush is an attitude. It's an attitude. It, it's a certain cockiness you have to have about yourself. It's a certain – confidence that you have to have in your skills and have to have in the guys around you rushing to be able to be a successful pass rusher. So I'd be interested to see really uh, what, what those guys are being taught, what the technique really looks like, and uh, are they really are, are the coaches really getting on them about chasing the ball and, and not stopping their pass rush until the ball is being thrown. That's a great point about the recruiting, EJ, there, because one of the things that we've heard a lot just from feedback 
you know, fans like to say, oh, well, you know, we just need to get some four-star, some five-star guys. And, you know, there's arguments to be made that on the whole, you always want as talented kids coming out of high school as you can possibly get. But people get to college and they develop differently. I mean, you can never know how a kid's going to go with with his career. And so I think that's an excellent point. You know, it's really once you get to college, if you're coming to play at a school like uh, Carolina, I mean, you're a you've got a level of athleticism just automatically. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. is that fair to say? Oh, very fair to say. Yeah. And so for me, I I look at it as kind of what do you do when you get here as a player? And how are you implementing what the coaches are trying to teach you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know what I tell you? And this would be a little known fact, and this is something that, and Mike, if I'm wrong, uh, stop me. The most important person to the success of Carolina football while we were there, the most, the reason why we were getting all those guys drafted, while we had all those guys at the combine, was Coach Jeff Connors. Coach Connors not only got us physically ready, but the type of training, the type of person he was, and the toughness he instilled in us, it went a very long way. So, I mean, while Coach Connors was here, it was either you shape up and you become a man and you become the type of player that you need to be to succeed, not only here but in the next level, or you were out of there. We And Mike will tell you, we've seen guys that simply couldn't cut it in Coach Connors' program and they left the program, and we've also seen guys who came in one-star, two-star recruits who went on to be draft picks and had a very successful careers. So I, I do I do agree with you. It's all about what you do and the attitude you have once you get there. Because the four, I, I've seen many one-star start over four- and five-stars. He is absolutely correct with that. I mean, and Jeff, for, for anyone who follows him, Coach, Coach C is out at ECU, which is where he was before he came to Carolina. And at one point, Coach C was the highest-paid strength coach in the country, and there's a reason for that. John Bunning made him the highest-paid strength coach in college football. And the reason he was the highest-paid guy was because he commanded that salary. He was, he, was, he was the best at his job. At one point, he was one of only five master strength coaches, which is the highest certification you can get. He was one of only five master strength coaches in the entire country. And there's a wow. reason why when Butch Davis came in, okay, he cleaned house, which at which – Every coaching staff does. When a new head coach comes in, they clean house. They bring in their own people. Jeff was the only coach retained from the previous staff. The only. And that's because his reputation preceded him. And Jeff would still be here if we would have been able to, to roll him into a admi- more administrative role and into a desk job so he didn't have to coach until the day he died. Jeff would still be here. He wanted to be here. You know, the reason why he's gone is because ECU just offered him more control over, over the strength training program at ECU over all sports and, uh, and allowed him to roll into a desk job, you know, at the point he decides coaching is just taking a toll on him physically. He didn't have that option here at Carolina, so he left. But Jeff had us – we didn't pass the look test all the time. And that was, that was one, one thing that people always said is, well, we don't look that big. We don't look that big. Well, we were hands down the strongest football team in the country. Pound for pound, you, you were going to line up across from us and you were going to get hit in the mouth, and we were going to be able to drive people off the ball on the offensive line and the defensive line, right? And there was no one going to outstrength us on the field. So though we may not, look, may not have looked as big, right, or as cut up and as svelte as the current Carolina team does under Lou, uh, Lou Hernandez, we were hands down the strongest college football team strength-wise weightlifting-wise, functional strength-wise in the United States, and I'll take that to the grave. And that's where a good strength training program comes in, and what builds that program is exactly what EJ was talking about. 
What Coach C was great at, what uh, Mike Gilson, anybody who follows Michigan football, during the Lloyd Carr Michigan football days when Michigan was a top five team every single year, okay, Mike Gilson was a, was the head strength coach up there. Mike Gilson is a, is, a, is a retired Marine. Mike Gilson was one of the toughest people I ever met in my life. I met him in high school when I went to a camp up there, and that guy terrified me. Jeff Connors was cut from that same mold. And the best strength coaches are able to do that. When you had Mad Dog down there at Texas, who Mac Brown took from Carolina, all right, that Texas team, they were strong, and they were tough, and they were mean. And all that stuff starts in the weight room. And all of that meanness and toughness, all right, the real tough guy stuff, for those of you who got fired mm-hmm. up when I talked about fake tough guys last week, okay, <laughs> the, weight room is, the weight room is where real tough guys are made. And that real tough guy stuff, that, translated, that translates onto the field, and that is effective. And that's the stuff that strength coaches like Jeff Connors are able to instill in their guys. ECU dropped 70 points on us two years ago for anybody who wants to remember. I don't know if Carolina fans necessarily want to remember that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, but, that, I mean, that's the, real, the reality of it is they, they had a guy, they had Jeff, they had our guy, right? And those kids were tough. And, you know, Connors used to tell us stories about David Garrard and all those guys they had back at ECU. And when Miami came and Miami was number one in the country, ECU almost beat Miami. This is back when ECU was a nobody, okay? And, and Miami was in the old Big East, and they were, they were playing for national championships every year, and they damn near beat Miami when they were number one. And he attributes all that to 300s, our conditioning in the summertime, right, and our off-season program terrible. in the winter, which was terrible, okay? But that stuff, I mean, to this, to this day, I find myself on a treadmill, and I want to stop. I just want to, I want to lather up. I want to get my legs warm. I want to run a half a mile, right? I'll get to a half a mile, and I'll hear Jeff Connors voice in the back of my head, right? You guys got to pick it up. got to pick it up, right? Get somewhere running. <laughs> yeah, get somewhere running. I'll, I, I'll hear that in the back of my mind, and I'll run a mile, or I'll run a mile and a half, and I won't stop at the half a mile, right? That's the kind of stuff, you, you got a coach that can do those things, the types of attitudes that he can instill in you that stick with you for a lifetime, okay, have a far greater effect in the immediate future, Right when he when he's first instilling those that when he's first instilling those thought processes he's first instilling those attitudes in you and in a team okay that stuff carries over in in the immediate future into game day and into your college career and into the product you see on the field in college now I don't say any of this to badmouth Lou it's just this is one thing to think about EJ made a great point think about the weight room it all starts in the weight room and pass rush stopping the run okay coverage that's all attitude defense is attitude mm-hmm. and that stuff starts in the Keenan football center weight room and it's and out there on the field in the summertime practicing and sweating okay and running 300s around the field and getting screamed at by your strength coach I don't I don't know I haven't seen Lou coach I don't I don't know what they're doing I know they do a ton of cardio but I, I don't know what they look like in the weight room right I know that what we had with Jeff Jeff Connors was special and yeah, he made guys quit the team because of the weight training program. Not even, exactly. not even the practices, not even the actual football. He was able to weed people out that didn't want to, even, that, that didn't want to lift weights. And if you don't want to lift weights, you don't want to work in the weight room, you can't play on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And that was our attitude. Now, that's how we weeded people out. And it was effective. Let me ask you all this. How important is it for the team to also have individual leaders just amongst the players to step up? And make very, that example. Very, 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 I, and very. Uh, I can I can tell you 
that the difference in the defensive line when I was there was leaders. And Mike will tell you this, like, we, 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 we had no accountability before. We, we didn't have anybody who was making people go work out extra, anybody that was holding people accountable for missing class, anybody that was holding people accountable for not making times or being in the weight room. And once Coach Davis Correct. came in and he established that, hey, you guys have to be leaders, and he told us that we can be leaders, and he pulled me to the side, and he said, hey, this is what I expect from you, everything changed because not only am I, not only do you as a – and I think it's more important and where you really see change at is around people who really – in the sophomore to, to junior area because those are the people who, who hopefully have seen good leadership before them and they're, they're in a position now where they have guys coming in under them where they can show them the way too. And it's just a culture, and you can see that, that a culture is passed down. If it's a culture of being tough up front, that's going to be passed down generation to generation, team to team, team to team. But it all starts with leadership. If those guys aren't seeing good leadership and people holding people accountable and being accountable for their own actions, leading by example, then nothing else is going to change. Nothing else is going to change with this team currently if somebody doesn't step up and say, hey, we have too much talent on this defense to go out here and put up the numbers and allow people to run over us and just throw the ball the way they want to. Somebody, somebody has to step up and be a leader and just say, hey, you guys may not like what I'm saying. I may not be that popular after this, but I promise you this, if you guys listen to what I say, we'll be in a better position at the end of the season if we keep doing what we're doing. Well, you want to see a position group where, where you want to see what EJ just said, personified, running back. Okay, when we mm-hmm. came in as – when I came in as a freshman, okay, the running back group was, you know, I, I like the guys, okay, Barrington Edwards, Richie Rich, all right, I like those guys, right, but – they were all individuals, right? And we didn't really have much of a, a toughness identity in the running game. Sean Drone comes in. They move him from safety to running back. All of a sudden, our running back room gets a little bit tougher. They get a little bit meaner, okay? Ryan Houston comes in, all right? He gets, brings a little more size, a little more toughness. We're banging a little bit more now. Greg Little, when he was a freshman, he wanted to run people over even though he was only 180 pounds. There was some toughness there. And then when it really changed, when you really saw a shift, A.J. Blue who's mm-hmm. now one of the strength coaches in the weight room, okay? AJ, who's going to be – who, by the way, is going to be a star in the strength and conditioning community. When he gets, when he gets to be his own head guy, AJ Blue is going to be one of the top names in strength and conditioning for college football. He's at Carolina now, right, Mike? Yeah, he's at mm-hmm. Carolina now. He's, he's, okay. he's coaching – he's strength and conditioning coach for, for Carolina now under Lou. When AJ came in as a freshman and a sophomore, okay – when this kid, we knew where he came from. AJ came from a real bad background. AJ was he was rough when he came in, right? But he also understood the opportunity he had in front of him, all right? And he completely changed. He he left all that stuff from back home. He left that behind him because he saw this as a new start and he took advantage of it. And whenever AJ Blue would stand up and speak, all right, it didn't matter if he was a freshman, a sophomore, nothing. We listened, okay? He would he would control the meeting room when he would stand up because he didn't say much. He didn't talk often. But when he did, it was powerful and it meant something, okay? And then we saw the way he played, right? The way A.J. played, he played angry. He played tough. When he blew his knee out, he had the same knee injury that Brandon Tate had, the kind of knee injury where 15 years ago they'd have to amputate your leg. A.J. came back from that and was a very effective running back for this program. And you saw that attitude, okay? You saw that attitude permeate throughout the running back room. Johnny White, Sean Drone, they picked up the same attitude. 
Okay, Ryan Houston, they picked up the same attitude. Geo picked up the same attitude. All right, all the way to last year with TJ Logan, and now you're seeing it with Carter Williams and Jordan Brown. Okay, we've got tough, mean running backs that want to hit you, and it doesn't matter how big they are or how small they are. All right, and that stuff comes from, like what EJ was saying, culture being passed down. The culture started shifting around 2007, 2008. A.J. Blue came in, and now running backs, they're tough. They may not rush for 100 yards each every single game, but every yard they get, they're scrapping for it, okay? And the reason why you're seeing that culture maintained at Carolina in the running back room is because A.J. is still in the program, and he's still firing guys up, and he's still there, and his reputation precedes him. And the guys in the running back room know who he is, and they know what he did, and they know how he played, and that stuff matters. So EJ is absolutely correct. And the few years after, like, EJ graduated, think about those defensive lines all the way up through Sylvester Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Those, guys were, those guys were bangers. Those guys were, those guys were mean. They were tough. They got pressure. They stopped the run. They did what they had to do. And then they phased out. And the culture didn't really – the D-line showtime culture didn't stick around. The chance stuck around. The pregame chance stuck around. Oh, yeah, okay. it did. <laughs> but, the, but, the culture, but the culture didn't. Defensive back, another group, okay, that when Dre – with Dre Bly and those guys, they started the Rude Boys, right? And that's oh, another yeah. one where the culture, the culture stayed and the culture was maintained from the 90s all the way up until about – four or five years ago, which is when the last Butch Davis recruit had phased out of that secondary. Now, Rude Boys was an attitude, but just like the D-line right now, it's just a pregame chant, mm-hmm. and it's a graphic you can throw up on your Twitter banner, okay? Mm-hmm. But those, to those kids, it's not the same thing as it was when Kendrick Burney was back there or Deontay Williams was back there cracking skulls. Okay, when we had Charles Brown over there as a shutdown quarter, and we had Denora Searcy, who's one of the best athletes to ever come, this pro- come through this program, or we had Dre Bly, three-time All-American and however long NFL career, okay, college football Hall of Fame. Right? It's not the same rude boys. It doesn't mean the same thing now that it did then, but what was most impressive was that for 20 years, rude boys did mean the same thing. And at some point, we have to get back to that. Mm-hmm. EJ, what about that chant, man? And I'll say this. I, I, I think that the, ti- the Rude Boy title as well as the D-Line Showtime title is something that needs to be earned. A little backstory on that. Coach uh, Blake, John Blake brought that to us because it's something that Charles Haley did with the Cowboys. But Coach Blake said, this is my first time coaching you guys. I haven't seen you play. You got to earn that. So one game went by, still no pregame chance. Two games went by, still no pregame chance. Third game comes. Coach Blake said, okay, I, I think you guys are ready. So we did the chant, and from then on, we were fired up because we knew that's something that we earned. We earned the right to call ourselves D-Line Showtime. Like, before before that, there, D-Line Showtime wasn't a thing when we did the roll call for position groups. We kind of brought that attitude, and it wasn't just necessarily just being able to go out and say that chant like I feel like they're doing now. That was just our call. That was more so a call to action to me. It's, it's, it's a call to action. It gets us fired up. It makes us remember what we had to do and the work we had to put in to be able to earn to say that. And we knew that it, it's fresh in our minds, so we know we got to go out here and do it all again. So I, that's, that's, that, that's been kind of a thing. Like, I, I didn't know that they still did that. So I think I uh, went to – it was this year. At one of the games this year I saw them doing it, and I was like, wow. Man, you say Showtime, but and it doesn't really look Showtime-ish. It don't, <laughs> don't look like Showtime. And you know, and you know, what, that, you know what that lends to? 
that goes back to what I was saying last week. The guy, the message board's all fired up, right? Mm-hmm. What are you doing running your mouth? What are you doing talking about this stuff when you haven't earned it? Right? You got no reason to be talking. You got no reason to be saying that chant, right? Absolutely no reason. Mm-hmm. You haven't earned it. Just It's fake tough guy stuff. Shut up. You didn't earn it. <laughs> and until you do, don't say it. And when you do, bring it back. Because a lot of people laid the foundation for that before you came here. And that was one thing that we did that I don't know these young guys are doing. Right? We respected our elders. We respected the people that came before us. Right? And the things that they did, those really, those really stout defenses, okay? and those Darian Durant really good offenses, like we, wanted to, we wanted to emulate that. We wanted to do the people who had come through this program before us, the star players that had come through the program before us, the old heads, we wanted to do them justice right? in the way that we played. That mattered to us. And that's what good programs do. That's why programs – that's why, like, Miami was so good in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, right? Because the older players held the younger guys accountable, and the younger guys looked up to the older players that had come through the program before them. And I don't know that we necessarily have that right now. But, again, EJ's right. Stop saying it. You haven't earned it. Shut up. And when you earn it, feel free and say it because, you know what? We started it. You can have it. But you've got to earn it first. And until then, quit being a fake tough guy and shut your mouth. <laughs> Let me ask you all first. So, you know, the the big game against Duke is coming up and talk about Hold on, hold on, hold on. let me let me let me let me let me stop you right there. Uh-huh. Also, I've, to yeah, to have to have the the Duke game characterized as the big game at Duke is something that seems very foreign to me, although in recent years it has become more of a rivalry than it ever was, but but well, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, well, for the season, I think it's a it's a big game. I mean, Carolina's one oh, and yeah. two. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's about as big a, a Duke game as I can remember in recent memory in terms of just importance to the overall season. What Good I wanted point. to get, what I wanted to get from from you guys, EJ, start with you because you know Mike's kind of been taking most of the screen time here tonight. <laughs> What is the most important thing that you think, either offense or defense, or or the team in general even, what's the most important thing that they need to change moving forward to get a win against Duke and to have this be a successful season? The culture of toughness. I want to see these guys go out there, don't say anything, don't make these gestures, just go out there, hit people in the mouth. Just do that. Stop the talking and hit people. Talk with your pads. I'll say that's the biggest change. I want to see Saturday. Like, honestly, Saturday, of course I want to win. I'm going to be hurt if they don't win. But if they go out there and they actually hit somebody in the mouth and I see a physical team, then that's that's when I'll say that they've improved it. I've seen an improvement. So I just want to see them hit somebody, man. Simple as that. Then, Mike, what about you, man? Close us out. I'm with EJ. I I I want to see them playing angry. I want to see some meanness. I want to see some big hits so we can put on the Jumbotron at the beginning of that fourth quarter hype video from this class. I mean, I want to see you know, none of this ankle tackling stuff, none of this head down crap. I mean, I want, to see, I want to see pass rush. I want to see them take a quarterback out of the game cleanly within the rules, okay? I mean, I want to see somebody get, I want to see somebody get hit so hard their sternum breaks. I mean, that's what I want to see. And that's, if we can see that, I mean, I want to see some concussions, man. I want to see, I want to see, I want to see stuff that's so bad. Will Smith comes out on the field and starts telling everybody to tell the truth. You tell the truth. <laughs> oh, he's going to get this ball. This is why linemen, this is why you guys make the best guess because you know, look, if you're, if you're in, in the trenches, you've just got an entirely different perspective than any other position on the field. I love it.
Thanks, man. Definitely. We well, we always enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, work. man. This is great. Awesome. Well, hey, EJ, appreciate you coming on. Mike, no good problem, to talk man. to you again. This has been the Inside Carolina podcast. For more information, head to the Inside Carolina Tar Pit Premium Message Boards. I just want to say thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.